welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I am ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Well, let's go! Yeah, baby, it's Wednesday night. Got my shorts on. I'm ready to talk some shit with my pal, Mr. Robert Cuny. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Cuthbert here in New York. And everybody, welcome aboard the aforementioned Mr. Cuny. Rob, what's going on, buddy? Greetings and salutations, everyone. Now, last week you mocked me for, what, four minutes into the show, dropping the F-bomb, and here you in the open, you've already unleashed the obscenities, which is cool. I like it. I dig it. I mean, we, that's why we put the big E on the podcast. It doesn't stand for excellence, which oh, it is. Some shit, it's man. explicit. Hey, I got a question for you. Or Ask not a question. It's not me. a question, really. It's more of a more of a mystery. You know, last weekend was daylight savings time. As you know, as many know, in if America, you don't know in America, it was yes. in America. If you don't know, uh, you're an hour late for everything. And I, there's a lot of hand wringing and teeth gnashing about daylight savings time. And I, I don't like it myself. I think it's dopey. Just get up earlier, go to bed later, whatever. This is not the 18th century anymore, but here's the real mystery. Something that has haunted me most of my adult life. As I get very serious for a moment. On daylight savings time, whether we roll the clocks back or roll them forward, what happens to the TV schedule? You know that grid in your TV that says this show comes on at 2 and this show comes on at 3 and 1 o'clock? When we go backwards, do they – as I'm never awake enough to find this out for myself and do any sort of research. When we roll back from 2 o'clock to 1 o'clock, do they repeat the show that's supposed to be on at 1 o'clock? And then later on when we spring forward – do they just skip the 2 o'clock hour and go right to the 3 o'clock hour? Because they can't just move the schedule around like the NBA and the NHL want to do and just sort of bump into each other. So what happens? I, I must know. Every Twice a year, I have this conundrum. What happens to the TV grid? And anybody who knows me right now is like, ah, oh, this shit again? Come on, CUNY. Nobody cares except for you. Right. And now I have a platform to make everyone else care. So shut it. Will someone Sorry. please... Please send Rob the info to at Sports Honchos for the love of God. Can, so we can, can get s- Rob through another daylight savings. Can somebody please event. stay up with some, you know, Jolt Cola? God, there's an obscure reference. Oh, get over it, man. You get an extra okay. hour of sleep. You'll be sleeping. That's fine. You get I'm, a, I'm okay with you it. You just uh, told me you don't even, you're not even watching I know, but TV I want somebody time, to know. But you're yelling about the TV screen and the guide. I mean, come on. I want someone. Maybe my kids. They got nothing else to do right now. Just stay up all night. Look, little flash. bitterness and little rage. And tell me what happens to the TV schedule. I must know. Well, you're good. But we move on. Well, Put an a, a BPI, a, what do you call it, APB out for people who are watching TV at that time on Saturday nights. Well, see, a lot of people are. I mean, there there is a lot for me. Take for me, moi, 
for example. Maybe Ooh. I have the answer. And the Do answer you is have the absolutely answer? nothing. Because if you're watching Saturday Night Live, like I mm-hmm. was, um, but that ends happens. at one o'clock. I know that ends, ends at one o'clock. So then, you know, uh, talk of the towns on next uh, next uh, porch talk, uh, whatever I'm watching. Porch talk. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> you never heard of porch talk in New York? No. Yeah, a person no. sits on a stoop. It's stoop talk or something. Something like uh, that. stoop talk. I like porch talk rather than stoop talk. You could be talking I, about Bob Stoops, former Oklahoma coach. But I, I don't know. This is just. Um, it's. I mean, come on. You're fifth. Oh, by the way, belated happy birthday, Mr. Robert Cuny. Thank you. You know, thank you. Uh, I appreciate us it. Us fellow fifty-year-olds um, are uh, just happy for your advancement into no. digits. <laughs> it's okay. look once once there's a five on the left side of your age, it's over. It's over. <laughs> it's pretty weird. If it's a five, just by its onesies, just five. That's a solid age. But a five on the left-hand side. Well, look, buddy. Yeah. I'm sorry I don't have the uh, the daylight saving answer for you, but I I have to ask you. Uh, what did you do for your birthday that Friday night? Let me just say, stay tuned, by the way. In six months, when we're still doing this show, I'll be asking that same question about daylight savings time. So something to look forward to. I'm glad you asked. You know, it's almost like we rehearsed this before yeah, we go on the air. We don't rehearse around here. So last, I do have six months now to get you the answer for daylight yeah, savings. So, so that's a good last thing. Saturday, so we didn't go out Friday. Friday you, night, you I... We were going out Friday. That's uh, well, why I sent the flowers. The flowers still haven't arrived. Now, now it makes sense. BT dubs. Okay, so Friday night we had dinner at my mom's, and she made her world famous spaghetti sauce, and I do mean world famous. Mom, way to go, mom! And the and the whole mishpocha was there. Very much my ideal birthday dinner is spaghetti sauce surrounded by friends, family, and as many napkins as humanly possible. But Saturday night, Grace and I went to a Brazilian barbecue joint that shall remain nameless until they actually sponsor us. Uh, we were there to celebrate my birthday. For those who have never been, it's essentially a meat tasm. You sit at a table in your elastic waistband pants, and waiters bring you a continuous stream of freshly grilled meat, steak, lamb, sausage, chicken, pork, etc. The waiters then carve slices of these meats for you off a portable spit, and you eat until you need to be wheeled to your car. Now, you were just pointing at me, so. Is this there the same a- restaurant from the movie Bridesmaids? Uh, you know what? I saw that movie, but I don't remember that scene. Probably. They all got sick afterwards. Is that where they were in the bathroom and deflowering the bathroom? Then yes, Uh, that fortunately did not happen here, but I I will say this, (laughs) this is what I discovered. Um, the next day, this is my first time, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. And I, what did you say? It's enough. It looked like I was eating a small family or a small yes, animal. It looks like Whatever it was, just it was a small yeah. family of cows. I sent Paul <laughs> pictures because, you know, we are living in the 21st century. Nobody eats anymore. They first have to. And instead of saying your say, pardon the pun, saying grace. Now you take pictures of the meal and then you dive face first into the <laughs> meal. And, and as my first time at a Brazilian barbecue, I'm still recovering, first of all, almost a week later. But looking back, I realize now that I went through the Kubler-Ross five stages of grief as the evening progressed. It was such gastrointestinal dismay so that you on did go to Sunday, the same one. yeah, I, probably. And then, so so here's what I realized. I'm going to go through Hold the stages with you You're quickly. You're telling me I'm holding that you had a really bad post experience. No, 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 no. I, I just. I realized 
Sunday morning and Saturday night that I, wow, had eaten. You know those cows that you pass? Excuse my voice change. Those cows that you pass, you drive down country roads on the way to some cabin or the beach? I ate all of them. <laughs> okay, so that's that's what I realized. So first, okay, so for those not familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and her five-stage degree, the first stage is denial. This is how my evening went as the meat was being continuously shoveled onto my plate. First denial, I said, there's no chance that I'm eating this much beef. I mean, they're just little bite-sized morsels, like meat sushi. How much could I actually be eating? Come on, it can't be that much. Then anger, then the anger sets in. How can I be eating this much meat? I am so mad at myself for not stopping, and I'm frustrated by my inability to push away from the table. And then, and then bargaining. Oh yes, the bargaining stage. I try to make myself feel better by saying to myself, after this night, I will go on an all-vegan diet. Never going to happen. And in the short term, instead of one more piece of bacon-wrapped steak, oh, so good, by the way, I will go to the salad bar and eat some kale. Yes, by the way, they do have a salad bar and somebody who walks around with appetizers like shrimp cocktail. And I said to the guy, I'm not here for the shrimp cocktail. I'm not here for a salad bar. Just start the carving, please. So after bargaining, then you go into depression. At the end of the meal, as the meat sweat started to consume me and I drifted into a meat-induced coma, I started to feel so sad and so broken. How could I let myself roll over and let gluttony go, as, I, as you enjoy me saying, elbows deep into my soul? And then finally, we end up on acceptance. On Sunday, I woke up and I felt less angry, less defeated. I accepted that I am a meat lover and a junkie. When it comes to sliced meat fresh off the grill. And you know what? You know what, Paul? The sun came up. My mom still loved me. My children still spoke to me. And grace still tolerated me. So then a sort of calm came over me. And I went about my day. And that was me moving through the Kubler-Ross five stages of grief. Vis-a-vis my Brazilian barbecue experience. Well, look, all of us here at Sports Hanzo are very happy that you got through this uh that experience of uh, gorging yourself. <laughs> and I do. And I appreciate using this platform as a, as a therapy session. Oh, and it was gorging. I mean, it was. And you just, you tell yourself, oh, come on. Like the little lamb chops, they're so tiny. You can have now, 10, you, 15 you, of them. Are you feeding yourself during the week? Is, is the fridge full? Uh, I'm a 51-year-old bachelor who doesn't have <laughs> steak knives or who didn't have until last week. So my fridge is full of air, and there's lots of frozen stuff, and there's well, probably a stray condiment well, jar I mean, in there, you know, you and have... some cream cheese, <laughs> and no, a couple of bagels, <laughs> and a couple. I gotta have the schmear for the bagels, but my fridge is full enough to sustain somewhat. Not everybody has steak, you know, two weekends straight in a row, unless you're a high roller like yourself. No, no, that was the first time I had had that's that much beef in a long time. Oh. Hey now. You're certainly <laughs> full of it, my friend. I am. Well, congratulations again through get, getting through that experience. Congratulations, uh, you know, that Grace has hung with you through all these. these what uh, I say last week, most tolerant woman in the world. Yes. And by the way, by the way, she's she was I was proud of her. She uh I, I was my fear was that I'd be sitting there just shoving cow sized portions of meat 
and well, she'd be that, looking that's at me what like you realize that's right, what your, what your right. connection is with Grace, right? She'd be looking at me like, "What a fucking slob this oh. guy is! What am I doing with this dope?" But you know what? She enjoyed herself. There was no judgment. You know, we both enjoyed being carnivorous for an evening. Well, you know it was what? great. If you, if you were taking me out for steak every weekend, I'd hang around you for a while. Well, every weekend, I haven't taken out for steak every weekend. <laughs> So, oh, and that there was the, the uh, you're right. We did get the, the to go, the That's what I'm talking uh, about. DoorDash, not a sponsor. You made of a, a big steak, steak local about steakhouse. that on the show two weeks ago. Right. This was, it's that this, was nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the That was an appetizer. That was an appetizer. That was an appetizer what we got. I mean, that wouldn't even, that actually wouldn't even get in the door of this How Brazilian do you like steakhouse. It, brisket? Oh, brisket. Well, that's uh, my favorite, though, is a good ribeye here on the steak conchos. I'm a, I'm a big ribeye fan myself. Actually, my my favorite though, because I'm very Jewish, is the pork chop. <laughs> okay. And maybe some sauce? bacon. A little applesauce on the oh, side. No, I'm not a condiment a guy, as you'll little, find out. No, no, I just straight pork chops. A little brown gravy. A little... Oh no, gravy I'll, I enjoy. Wooster, but, how about the Wooster sauce? I, I do like the um the ho- not, it's not is it hollandaise? Not hollandaise. I don't know. It's the other. I nah, see it's it's escaped me because I'm 51. No, little, I don't know. Brown bottle, it's got the no, little, not that uh, stuff. I can't even. Like nobody can pronounce Worcestershire Worcestershire sauce. No. Yes. All right, we'll be back next week. I don't want any sauce in a burlap sack. Thank you. I don't know what that sauce is. It's something yellow. I don't know. It's time to move on into the wild world. Thank God. Oh, we're talking sports tonight. I forgot. I thought it was all steak. No. That's on your other show. Your satellite yeah, the, network. <laughs> right. The steak conchos. More steak talk in the third hour, everybody. All right, buddy. So where do you want to start, man? I got my notes that were handed down from the PR department and uh, management here and uh, producers and stuff. But uh, I'll let you go. Go for it first. You take uh, first topic. Fire away. Um, well, since it's this is the next thing on my pile of papers here, can we talk a little media again? Absolutely. Um, That's us. We're in the media business. There's a couple of stories. We're climbing the ladder. We're on yes. the bottom rung. Hopefully. We're climbing. First, I'm going to show you the difference between class and classless. Not amongst you and I, of course. I mean, amongst those that are well, no hope on this. the upper rungs, as you say. First, let's get to the classy. I love me some Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler on ESPN doing college. And I thought this season during the Monday night doubleheader, when the two of them did the early game, I think it was the Steelers giants game, the first game of the doubleheader, the two of them were great. They were gold Jerry. And now Kirk Herbstreet says he would love in the perfect world. He'd love to call both college and NFL games to which I say, bravo, bravo, because the, the dopes that are calling Monday night football now, I like that's, Lewis Riddick nice. and Brian Greasy, but they're like they're like warm milk, and they both sound the same. So when the camera's not on them, you have no idea who's speaking. And Steve Levy, Steve Levy is a guy who really wants to be Joe Tessitore, but can't. You really gonna pick on Steve Levy? I, I look. I like Steve he's Levy. I'm sure he's. A, I'm on. sure he's a nice fellow. He's good on on the four letter network. But Colin, the the Monday night football games, it's just it's it's too much. It's too muck and fudge, as they say. Oh, so I say right. more Herb Street. All right. I almost wish there was no college football this season because he probably would have been, he and Fowler probably would have been your, at some point doing games for ESPN. Uh, 
This is instead the greatest of, of college Riddick, football Levy. season ever. No, no. I, I, the side story's been amazing. From brawls, coaches in bed with young women, it's the, it's the best. And that's all we'll be talking about with college football is what's happening off the field. But I'm just saying, if there were no college football, the only benefit would be more Fowler and Herb Street. So let's move from people we like to people that are total bags of shine. And if you're talking about bags of shine in this business, yes, another Craig Carton story. Oh, come on, man. The guy's making his way back. All right, I have a listen. Listen, I'll let you defend Senor Carton. So he was on, he starts his show November 9th with uh, Evan Roberts after he kicked poor Joe Beningo to the curb. It's not even November 9th yet, and you're already giving him a hard time? So, but but last week on Thursday, he was on, I guess he was in the afternoon. I'm not sure when he actually appeared, but he came on to do his, Welcome I'll put this back. in quotes, I, I'm really sorry tour, except he wasn't really sorry. He was the same Craig Carton, and I know there's an audience for his shtick, but if you've been in jail for three years and you are crawling back into radio and you've been gifted the opportunity to really pick up where you left off, you may want to show some contrition. You may want to show some gratitude. I did talk about his gambling addiction, which is probably what his lawyers told him to say because I'm very cynical, but you think he'd be like, I'm really happy to be back. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm so grateful. This is an opportunity that not many people get. None of that. In addition to attacking Mike Francesa, which is a whole nother topic no problem and his competitor michael k he had this rant to say to all of his fans those of you who don't want me to come back he says and i'm quoting from the awful announcing article from halloween those of you who don't want me to come back i'm back that's on you to figure out how to deal with it okay if that was all he said i'm okay with that because there's a lot of people who are you know, give him the what for for coming back. But then he says this, to which I then wanted to slam the book on old Craig Carton. There are also people I noticed in the business, people who are talk show hosts and radio guys and gals who don't like the fact that I got this chance and maybe they didn't. And they wanted the chance. What I would say to every one of you, whomever you may be, I was away for three years. I like how you put that parenthetically. I was away for three years. I have not been on the radio in three years. I think Boomer, that would be Boomer Esaias and his former partner, said today, 1,150 days. And then here's the money quote. You have had plenty of time to get better at what you do. You didn't. That's on you. That's not on me. Got it? Good. I agree with him. Yeah, but that's fine to say. But when you come back. Snowflake. No, no. I'm not okay. You can call me a snowflake, what, but I would get, just you like get, you get I'd south like of Jersey. Little... You get south of Jersey on the East Coast down here, and everybody turns into little llama lambs. Yeah, but you don't come back and spit in the eye of people not... when you've been given this chance me and to you come have been back. Off, me and you have been off air now about five, six years. We're yeah, back. We're not be, not they because all had we five or six years, right? Not Rob, because of a Ponzi back. scheme that landed us both <laughs> in prison. We weren't doing the prison honchos. But and that's point, fine. His point I understand is, he should be rehabilitated, but come back and have a little more grace, a little more class than say, hey, everybody, you don't like that I'm on the air basis. You know, baby, fuck, fuck come off. on. I know, really? but it's New York. That's how we roll. Yeah, okay. Well, do yourself a favor because I did it last night. Uh, what was the night before? <laughs> no, it wasn't last night. Last night. Yeah, no, it was last night. There was something else going on in the country, but I decided to watch a little HBO. No, we are sidestepping that topic. 
And um, I came across the HBO documentary special about said so Mr. Craig Carton. And mm. you, should, you should watch it. And you find out a little more on the backstory. No, no, and I, in, I, in, I love in, radio backstories. I do. I, I'm a radiophile. And I will watch it, even if I hated him. Yeah, just, just go back and, you know, look, I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And, mm. you know, I'm all about second chances. And we, we said it. So I didn't kill anybody. You know, my heart is nobody. He's got answers for his own things. And, um, you know, his whole attitude of coming back or whatever, and he, 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 says it in, he said it on the special. So this, this special was done before he came back, and he says at the end of it, he says, I'm coming back, and I, I plan to be as outrageous as I've ever been before. So he's taking full advantage of his second chance, and I think more than anything. And when you watch the documentary and you find a little backstory, um, you know, it talks about him. Uh, we find out that he was abused as a child. And he, um, you know, and then he this this lying, and then it led into his addiction with gambling and so on and so yeah. forth. And he doesn't, like I said, it's, it's not. I'm not making it. Uh, you know, he, he he and he admits it too. Like I said, he did bad things. He did his time, and the reason he got out a little early is because he he um, he did what he was supposed to do in prison, whatever it is, to get the right. time off. Anyway. So and, I, and I'm glad I'm glad he's he's out of prison. He's getting his life back together and he has his job. And you know so, what? I'm glad he's going to be as outrageous as ever. I don't want to see him change what he does. That's what made him. You just went off got him to raised. I just wanted him to when he first cracks the mic after three years to say on the line, he got bank. He could say whatever he wants now. It doesn't mean you should. I, come on. Then what's the point? You know, they he's got were, the rest of his years, career to be an outrageous radio douche. station. They were the top show, Boomer and Carton. You know, and that's because of his personality and, and how it worked. And, you know, it's like anything else. It's like, you know, you, you if you make a mark, yeah, yeah, you made a mistake. He did his time. He's back. Why should he change? But I'm not, he shouldn't change. I'm just saying, when you come back, you be a little more grateful. You show a little more class, and then you then you go into that whole shtick that made you popular, and the reason why WFAN got him back in the first place. Bag of lollipops down there in Maryland. All right, I'm bummed out about what he's saying. Not this whole show. I see. It's like you like my students now. You're not even listening. I'm not saying he should spend his whole show apologizing and groveling and being Mr. Nice Guy. I'm just saying, come out and then you know, when you're opening salvo, be right, a so little bit more decent. He was. And he, then he, start he, kicking ass. He precluded, or whatever the pre-term is, you're the teacher, you tell me. <laughs> he he started off with all the apologies. He started off with all the thank yous. And then he says, by the way, you second and third rate yeah. <laughs> your personality people, the fact that you couldn't lock down this job. And look, man, all kidding aside, Look, if, ben- if Beningo isn't retiring, maybe he doesn't get that gig. Maybe they throw him overnight, you know, the 4 o'clock uh, oh. overnight thing where he's got to <laughs> work his time back. But it kind of yeah. worked out. And who knows what the backstory is. But when you watch the special and the 10 mm-hmm. years together and the bond and the friendship that he not only had with the guys on his show, uh, that's from the producers, uh, the writers, everything else, his relationship with Boomer, and obviously his relationship with Chernoff, who's the guy who runs the show over there. Yep. Uh, they worked this whole thing out, and it just so happened. He's like, all right, you did your time. Hey, um, Beningo wants to retire, and uh, we don't have anybody to replace him with, and the timing just lined up, and he got it, and he's got the gig. And look, more power to him. And uh, look, I'm not a diehard Craig Carton fan. You know what I'm saying? Right. But as far as like being in the business and and uh, just 
getting back into it or whatever. And yeah, just, um, I have a little fun with it, the whole New York thing and everything else. But you know what the hell? He he got through it, and that's what you know. He he was a gambler. He's a wise guy. You know, he was he was a liar. He was a professional liar, and he got in deep and he got caught. But he he is a father. Uh, he is married and he cares about his family. And then you know, he's getting a second chance here. And again, he did his time. And I get what you're saying. And I'm I'm, you bust, I'm busting with you, Rob. I'm having fun. Oh, with I know. You, you know I what I'm know. saying. But I, I do. I do. As agree, am I. I do not have a problem with him kind of pounding his chest. No. Because New York radio, especially since he's been gone, and now that Francesa and all that other stuff, he's probably just a great breath of fresh air. And he's probably what New York sports needs here with the misery that's going on as far as the performances, you know. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, no offense to Gio, although I'm about to offend him. Uh, Boomer and Carton, I spent a couple years up in the tri-state area listening to them every morning on the way to work. They were great. And I I don't think it's the the Boomer and Gio show doesn't have nearly the same zing that Boomer and Carton did. So, and I wish him luck. What do you think over under on how how long he – he stays on WFAN. I was I would say switch that to what's the over under, where he does about six months, mm-hmm. and he goes back with Boomer. No, oh, no, that you, would be yeah, no, because you that find, would be great. You find out in the documentary how close those guys are. Yeah, and I think eventually, it's, it's almost like he's got to get a clean slate and he's got to prove right. to everybody, blah blah blah, and that would be my over under that him and Boomer are going to bring that show back. And then Geo into the afternoons with Evan Roberts, All right? Or, or All right. you know, wherever. Maybe he'll be. Uh, maybe he'll work on the sports honchos or the stay honchos. Hey, on man, the, on the Food Network, uh, he can be as he can show as little class as he wants if he wants to hop on the old uh, stay honchos with us. <laughs> we'll make room for him. There's plenty of room here at the uh, uh, Go Sports Media Studios. Absolutely. All right, buddy. So um, let's move on to some. Um, you want to do some hockey news? Yeah, and it's funny you talk about second chances. Look at you, so synergistic. <laughs> uh, this is a serious story. Actually, there's two things on hockey, one that's serious, one that's not so serious. I think we should do the serious one first. When you talk about second chances, this 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 Mitchell Miller story with the Arizona Coyotes, it's – I don't know, man. I don't know. There's so many roads to go down. For those that are unaware – uh, the Arizona Coyotes drafted 18-year-old Mitchell Miller this year uh, and a defenseman from the university who had committed to play at the University of North Dakota, uh, selected in the fourth round of the 2020 draft. Um, and then they renounced their rights to him after it came out that when he was in middle school, junior high, whatever they call it up there, uh, he had bullied a black classmate who also had, uh, developmental disabilities again, while they were both in middle school. And I presume it was just not, I say just, it, it was in, an isolated to middle school. Didn't say whether he continued the bullying, uh, through high school. So Arizona renounces their rights to this kid. And I'm looking at this story and I just, I don't know. Where to begin here? Now, you were just talking about second chances. I also believe in second chances. And I I look at this and, you know, we've heard stories of people who are get drafted, do other things that are not, not in the sports world. And it turns out people become famous. Then you look back in their social media history, for instance, 
and they've done some things they were ashamed of. And it's always, well, I was younger and I was foolish. He really was younger. This, this was, I mean, think about what we did in eighth grade. You know, back when Moses and I were in middle school, uh, eighth grade was a long time ago. I certainly wouldn't want someone to hang me on something I said or did back in eighth grade. Thank God electricity wasn't invented, so there was no social media. Um, but this kid, what he did in middle school, it's hard to get my head around the fact that he now can't play professional hockey, at least for the Arizona Coyotes, who said, by the way, when they drafted him, and I'm reading from the article here on ESPN.com, um, on draft night, the CEO of the Coyotes said, we believe that we are in the best position to guide Mitchell into becoming a leader for this cause and preventing bullying and racism now and in the future. Then three weeks later, uh, he was out. And and just as a footnote, um, I said I mentioned that Miller had committed to play for the University of North Dakota. Um, and after the story came out about the bullying, uh, said that he remained a part of the program. So if he wants to go back and play for the University of North Dakota, he can. But his behavior is not fatal as far as colleges are concerned, but is fatal for the Coyotes. And it's just there's so much here. There's a lot of angles to take that maybe some of them shouldn't be taken. But I don't know. I don't know if this guy deserves, after what he did in eighth grade, seventh grade, not clear. It was four years ago, so I presume it was in eighth grade, to have his career over before it starts. I say over. I mean, it's not like he's never going to play hockey again. But to not to have his draft status and his rights renounced over this, after the team said, we can help this guy. And again, 14 to 18, that's a huge piece of real estate in terms of maturity and growth and development. And I, I just, I don't know what to do with this. I I just don't. Wasn't the bigger part of this that the story was trying to be, it was being hidden? I thought that's what I was reading on this. That was more of the problem more than anything that it was. It was something that they were trying to hide or, or keep. You mean the, the coyotes were trying to hide it? I think a combination. I, I don't know. Look, I'm not fully versed. I'm, I'm aware of this story. I'm not mm-hmm. too aware of the back the back end of it, where it right. started from. What I'm and getting I, at, I don't know if the coyotes had vetted him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, you know, if, if how... You know how bad it was. Look, it's it's a it's a tough look. It's never a good time. You know, kids are going to bully. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's never going to change. It's a little. It's even. It, it can be. It's even tougher today with social media. You know that too, as a teacher and yeah. myself, married to a uh, a guidance counselor, so she's in the thick of it and she gets a lot of it. She, you know, the, the humanity that my wife has to go into every day dealing with all these different stories is uh, tough. And we just actually recently had an incident with my own daughter um, mm. with, with texting and phones and stuff. My, thank God my daughter was okay, but, you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm tailing off. Getting back to this kid and this story, um, unfortunately, especially when it comes to um, any, any sniff of racism, uh, mm-hmm. which is, to me, like I said, it, it should be uh, taken care of. It should be handled. Unfortunately for this kid, um, you know, it's just the – I don't, I don't want to – I, I don't. It's hard for me to comment on it too because I don't know how serious. I think you're laying it out in in a, in a sense that yeah, maybe why is this kid getting, um, why is his whole career getting ruined over what maybe be perceived as maybe a small incident that maybe happened years ago, um, but in the in the realm of color, the realm of the background, the realm of the maybe there is more to the story. Uh, I don't know. 
but it's a very um, there's really a, a, a today more than anything, and especially this year, Rob, as you know, and and both of us being up on current events, and anybody out there listening knows it. Um, especially uh, companies, professional sports team, and it, it should probably all, always be this way. There's there's no more the thin line is kind of gone. Yeah, no. there's no there's no real tolerance for it anymore. It's it's a a, a major image thing. In the as far as racism is concerned, that's exactly how it should be on 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 any person, uh, whether it's religion, whether it's color, uh, whatever scope it is. Uh, you know, you get into sexual harassment and domestic violence, and you could go on and on and on. Substance abuse and everything else. Um, in this day and age, it could it just gets uh, magnified to the just a, a bigger level. So if this was a smaller incident, but because it, it involves a professional sports team in a league that really is not the greatest when it comes to, you know, dealing with um, these kind of issues, you know, uh, he might be a victim. I, I don't know who the victim is here. Again, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. But mm-hmm. if, if what you're saying is it was a bullying thing when they were kids, and maybe they could make this up and we can move forward and the kid shouldn't lose his career and everything else. I get that side of it. But unfortunately, I think during these times, there's just really no, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no, there's no tolerance for it anymore. There's no, there's no, there's no three, four levels. Right. You, you hit level two. It seems like, Hey, if you're, if this is what happened, then this is it. Well, look, uh, I don't want to, let me be perfectly clear. <clears throat> what Miller did four years ago if the allegations are true, some of the things in the story here that he did, reprehensible and uh, inexcusable. And, and he is not the victim. The victim is the, the, the student that he bullied. But this is not a kid who's, say, an NFL prospect who gets drafted at 22, 23 years old. And they say, well, you know, when you were 18 and 19, while in college you did this. To me, the wrinkle here is all things being equal, which I know is difficult to make that assumption he was an eighth grader and i just i'm not saying that once you get out of middle school you change completely but we don't know what happened between 14 and 18 and now he's about to start his life as a professional Uh, it doesn't excuse what he did in the past but it might not be something he does now he might regret it he might look back and go what a you know what a jerk I well, was. That might be part of the the, and, the, the rest of the story, Rob. Is, is right. what is what has he done? Has this story only come out? Is he only apologizing? He only said for it because he was found out about it, or was no. he working on this prior to him advancing? In, and that's as a that's young always athlete? the that's always the big question. Are you apologizing because you got caught, exactly. or are you apologizing because you actually feel bad? If you actually felt bad, you would apologize before it came out. And this is why. Whenever athletes or, or public figures, it doesn't be athletes, but public figures apologize and they're reading from a statement and they're trying to sound polished and professional, the best apologies are never polished and professional. The best apologies are awkward and uncomfortable and stunted because you're trying to figure out the right words to say and it's emotional and you, you're stuttering and falling all over yourself. Those are the real apologies. So there's no great answer here to the Mitchell Miller story. It's just it's it's fraught with difficulties. It's hard to come down on one side and say, yes, he deserves a second chance. Why is he being uh, penalized four years later? But on the other hand, as you say, it's 
this is something probably the Coyotes don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. Even though they came out and said, we stand behind this guy, we're going to coach him up, we're going to teach him, we're going to help him mature and be a leader. At some point, everybody, you know, bows to the same kind of pressure. I just, normally in a story like this, I'm much more on one side or the other. But this time, I'm. I, I, this is this is a new one for me. I just don't know how to react. But is it really new, though? Well, the the scenario is not new, but but the the players are new in terms of again, you've got this the disparity. And you can ask your wife about this as a guidance coach; she'll probably attest to this that that who you are at eighteen, who you are in fourteen, is many is much much different. The difference is much more vast than say eighteen and twenty one. Yeah, no, I get it. You know, and I just think that that to me is the wild card here is is how far back. What if he was a first grader? And I'm not trying to, to, to make light of the situation. What if he's in first grade and he bullies somebody? Are we going to say, well, you know, you, you did it. It's in your history. Uh, it's just at what point do you get to say legitimately, that's not me. That was the, the, the child version of me. The immature version of me. Now, obviously, if he's still doing this long after middle school, he keeps this pattern of behavior. Then we're talking something else. Then, then, then it's more cut and dry. We don't know that. Well, they're, 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 well, so that's the thing. So that's probably where we should stop because we don't know. Yeah. We don't know if if, if Miller had kind of carried the secret or how bad the incident was back then when they were kids, and if it was a story that was buried, if it uh, if it was a community thing, and everybody looked the other way, and he went on and he became this athlete and so on and so forth, and then he's got this dark history. Maybe there were other incidents. Maybe it's not just this one kid. Maybe there's other things. I mean. You know, unfortunately, this is probably where we should probably just leave it because we just don't really have enough information on the backstory. Right. And I agree. Now, we can we can ease our way into something much more lighthearted, like uniforms. Okay. And team names. You, as we all know, early on in the sports honchos history, you ruined, ruined. I like ruining. The Seattle Kraken logo for me. I do. Um, during the week... Uh, a little inside baseball for you folks. Polly will tweet something generally designed to get under my skin. <laughs> Me? Um, what? Yeah. And I what? usually, I, I, I pretty much give him the new phone who dis treatment on most of those. But sometimes he comes up with something that I really want to talk about. Like this uh, book that just was just released on uh, the history of, lo- of NHL logos, uniforms, team names. It's called Fabric of the Game. The stories behind – excuse me, I don't know what's happening here. Oh, I know it is, puberty. The stories behind the NHL's names, logos, and uniforms by Chris Creamer – terrible name, by the way – and Todd Radom. I'm Kramer. sure it's Kramer. Chris, no, it's Chris Creamer. Is it? Like non-dairy? That's his brother? Hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I've, I've been aware of Chris for quite some time. So don't make fun of Chris. I just think I like the name. is It's it's hard, but – Again, I like Listen his brother, this, non, folks. non-dairy. Cuny's calling Crema a little funny guy. Yeah, well, you're not, you're not putting, you know. On a show co-hosted with Cuthbert. <laughs> hey, man, they're not we putting either Cuny, one of us into Crema coffee. and Cuthbert. Let's go. They're not, they're not making a powdered version of us and putting us into coffee. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> anyway, this book, this book, I, I am a self-proclaimed uniform nerd, especially when it comes to hockey sweaters. Because they're some of the best. And this book is just chock full. I mean, just the article alone that you sent me, some of the the, the tidbits in here are fantastic. Like uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, according to Phil Esposito, were named during a storm. 
uh, that a wartime bootlegger told an early Vancouver owner to name his team after, I didn't know this as a person, Johnny Canuck. Oh, yeah, Canadian man. Canadian cartoonings answer to Captain America. Yeah. How great is that? And yeah. I didn't know. I, I, here's something else. You've seen the picture of the away. guy. They've actually had him on, yeah. the, on the sweater. What I'm blew me away feet. is the Blackhawks up until 1986 uh, were the black, black Space Hawks. It wasn't until after 86 they became one word. So as not to be confused with birds which I didn't know. And then some of the names that have been rejected, uh, like Detroit, the Red Wings played four seasons as the Cougars, honoring the roots of the club's first players who were acquired from a defunct British Columbia team of the same name until it became evident that Michiganers couldn't pronounce the word. Was it Cougars or Cougars? I didn't know people in Michigan had a problem saying Cougars. Um, The Columbus Blue Jackets, the original name for them was going to be the Frosties oh. okay, because I guess Dave Thomas of Wendy's had some hand in bringing hockey to Columbus. So close. We were so close. The Avalanche's original owner, Charlie Lyons, reportedly wanted to rename the Nordiques the Rocky Mountain Extreme instead of the Avalanche. Yikes. And before the Predators took the ice in Nashville, Gary Bettman had to spike the name Edge. Oi. The moniker of the shaving gel sold by the S.C. Johnson conglomerate, which stuff. at the time brought the Predators to Nashville. So it, 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 I'm going to get this book because, again, all this stuff, it's just it's I can nerd out on this forever. But I, I bring it up also because it reminds me of something I wanted to talk about last week. Um, and that is, again, going back to my beloved Washington No Names and the name, as I've said, first of all, one thing this book makes perfectly clear is that names and logos and traditions in the community in which these teams play are important. And people from the outside looking in can say, well, it's just a name. It's not just a name. For If you are a fan of the team, if you bleed for that team, the name, the colors, the logo, it's important. Just ask your pals up there on the island how happy they were when they got rid of the old Islanders logo and brought in the Glorton's Fisherman. If it was no big deal, there wouldn't have been, I can still hear the screaming. Well, that was just, that was a logo change. They didn't change the name of the team. But I'm just, my point is that people from the outside might say, well, it's just a logo. No, it's more than just a logo. Well, the logo was pretty awful. That, no, that logo was terrible. Saying so, going away so from they, they the old a, one. They had a legitimate beef there. Right. And, and, but I'm saying, of course you do. Everyone who, and, and who the is a fan in, of the team. The Rangers sent in Don Maloney to try and ruin that whole thing. He was responsible for former Rangers. I'm, I mean, it was, it was a whole uh, it was sabotage. So, the Rangers, New York Rangers sent him in there and sabotaged the whole thing. And, and again, it's a legitimate beef because that's your team. So when people from outside of Washington say, well, what's the big deal? It's just a name. It's more than just a name. Hey, but Rob, what's the big name? What's here's, the big deal? It's just a name. Here's <laughs> – shut up. Here's what I want to bring up. And this is something I had never thought of before. So I'm going to get full credit. My friend Pat Broderick's brother, Mike Meyer. I hope it's not pronounced Mayer. I'll, I'll pronounce it both ways in case From Meyer or Mayer. Movies? No, oh. different spelling. He has this theory about why it's the Washington football team and why they may still be the Washington football team next season. And that is as long as it doesn't have a name, because really Washington football team, it's, if, it, it would look like Washington blank. There is no name. Football team is not a mascot. It's just it's like generic toilet paper. It says toilet paper. Washington Redskins, now Washington football team. The reason why 
it's going to stay this way. And the secret planning of team president Jason Wright and owner Daniel Snyder is as long as it doesn't, the team doesn't have a name, it's still the Redskins. My bell is not here. Otherwise, I'd be ringing it right now. Ring a ding, bell? ding. That is genius. Oh, you think that's absolutely now. correct. As long as there is no name to refer to them by, they're still the Redskins. Even if, you know, the real woke commentators out there will not say Redskins and people still apologize when they go Redskins. Oops, I mean the Washington football team. It's still the Redskins as long as there's no name. That's keeping the name alive. Now, look, I – if that's, that's Jason, Jason Wright. Cooney happy. Jason Wright, very smart, the new team president, Northwestern guy, big business guy, great credentials. He'll be gone in two years when he realizes what a shit show he's running. I can believe if that's his plan, I believe it, but not little Danny Snyder. I don't believe he's smart enough to come up with that. But if that's what they came up with, if that's why they're dragging this out, polite golf applause because it's keeping the name alive. What's Well, what's the other side of the argument? What's the – what – what, what argument matter? would that be? What does it no. matter? You, it, it matters a great deal because it is something. Look, this team didn't just show up a, an hour they, ago. It, They're it, not an AF team or an XFL team. They've been around, you know, since the not, 30s. They're not pulling one over on anybody. Look, the, the, the reason for the name change is because the name is offensive. So now the offensive name has been removed. And you could sit here and say they're keeping it at the Washington Football Club so you can hang on to the Redskins name. But the reason for the change is because of the name, and the name is going to change. And, so. and, and whether or not it should is something we can debate. But, well, let's, and it, let's give they've it a already... five-minute debate. Go, five-minute debate. Uh, Go, boom. I, I'm not tackling this issue, oh. no. I'm not. I refuse. Oh. I, I think, look. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> Ah, all the new sound effects are coming out. No, no, I, I, I'm not. I, I have no more capital left to argue whether the name should be changed. My point is, if you're going to change well, my it, boxing gloves and everything, oh, don't man. change it to something stupid. But give us a name. It's like a kid who walks around. The parents are like, well, the kid has no name yet. We're just leaving it blank on the birth certificate. And then one day that kid, one day that kid's in give, fourth grade, ready to give birth. In fourth grade, you're next... like, what's your name? Uh, blank. You're well, the symbol got... that Prince once used. <laughs> Just give well, us a name. But if you're not, if you're dragging your feet again on this so we can keep rush? that name alive. Well, I, 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 it, their football team is not a name. You know what's Give funny, us a though. name. You know what's, what's interesting, right? It, or just call us Redskins again. <laughs> Just kidding, the... everyone. Well, here's the thing. This is have you, Do you go out to the local sports bars these days for the games? Or are you pretty much planting at home with the whole... Uh, and you know, I watch I thing. watch football games with the woman who taught me everything I know okay, about so football, here, my beloved where, mother. Here's where I'm going here. Okay, so it, it's it's I don't know, funny, coinky dinky, whatever the heck it is that this year is the year, right, with the no name, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, no fans in the stands. So I wonder what it would have been like with the Washington Football Club and how the, like the like. The organization didn't have to change the team store. It didn't have to do anything. But you, I'm just trying to picture what it would have been like with Redskin fans wearing the Redskins gear. I mean, as far as it's just hats, right? 
other than that, the, the Redskins colors, actually, you know, the logo, obviously, it's about it. But we didn't have to visually experience that this year is what I'm trying to get at. So, and, and it's not going to happen for the rest of this year, too. So, I don't think it's such a bad idea that the organization right now gives that whole thing a pass. Because they can't sell, they can't sell the stuff because nobody's coming to the games, you know. And they're not ready to do that. What you know, This is just my outlandish thing on this. The fact that it's the year of COVID and no fans. And now as the season begins and everything, they don't come with the name and everything. But if you look at the whole business aspect of it and apparel, you, you don't have the fans. You don't have the visual thing. Uh, we don't know. Uh, we don't have the, uh, the opportunity on, a, on a, any given Sunday or me and you on any given Wednesday saying, hey, look. The fans are still wearing the old Redskins gear. They're wearing the hats. They're well, wearing the logos and all that stuff. We don't get that. So I'm just – isn't that interesting, though? That's, that's a good point because and, – and actually this weekend they're going to have 3,000, I think, fans at FedEx Field for the Redskins-Giants game. So but they're going to be I Giants be, fans. Actually, probably not because these are tickets offered to only to their long-standing season ticket holders. So they're not just they're not out in the secondary market I as much. Kid, I kid. Oh no, but uh, no, believe me, many people are like three thousand Giants fans. Great, but hey, it's better than nothing. Um, I'm curious to see how they're going to be decked out. Also, now look, I have by the way, I have an official mask that has the new logo, and you know, I don't have any of the other gear. I still proudly wear. The Redskins gear, although I will say uh, if I'm going out in public, I, I try to have just the logoed gear without the word Redskins because I really don't want to deal with people wagging well, hey, their finger right, at me. On this topic, good stuff, good turn here. As, as far so, as you talk about what the name means, it means like as far as, you know, you're growing up in, in Maryland and, and what the uh, the franchise, the team, you've grown up with it, and everybody what's like that's hanging on to the name and everything else. So why would you feel uncomfortable wearing it out in your city, your community? No, no where it's not. From? Un, it's not discomfort. It's just I don't know that I want to deal with people that probably ninety nine percent of them will so just ashamed. Will, will do nothing. No, I'm not ashamed. And I just thus, and thus I'm, that is why they're changing I'm the name. Exhausted from dealing with anyone who wants to quibble with the name, so I just rather not put myself in that position. Well, you're going to need a pillow, as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm that look, that's a very I'm, I'm, scary look, I'm, sentence. I'm lucky. <laughs> I'm lucky because I have, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, even the New York Rangers, the, the, the new, the Rangers, the name Rangers in the old days, they were really bad guys or whatever. The small little 30 second complaint that the Rangers shouldn't be called the Rangers or the Texas Rangers shouldn't be called the Rangers either because of their, the backstory to that name, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Rangers, Jets, Yankees, the Mets, uh, Islanders. Know, yeah, well, the Islanders make so much sense. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it just a super it's a, name. It's yeah. a super logo. You know, I'm a Rangers fan. I live on Long Island. I grew up. I loathe that logo, but respect it, too, because I grew up during the dynasty and all those guys and everything else. But, um, yeah, for certain, for certain cities and certain teams and then the history and, you know, man, we could go on and on about this, you know, as far as the Cleveland Indians and the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's a it's a double side with this country. I mean, look, the the uh, Indian tribes of the old, they were slaughtered by the original people that came here. They're all on, uh, you know, uh, what's the term? Uh, you know, the, you know, they live on um, reserves, reservations. reservations and everything else. So there's this there's this horrible side 
to the past history. And then, like I said, you have all these great, famous, you know, is the Blackhawks really a bad thing? That's more of a, it's a pride thing, right? You know, I don't, is that any worse than the Seminoles or, but Redskins, I, you know. No, no. It, uh, yes. Uh, again, it's, it's a name that probably the Braves has logo to go. Was like a cheesy, you know, Indian engine. Right. But for all these years, like I said, me and you are the same age. We grew up with all this stuff, right? And it was innocent enough. Hey, I, I feel terrible. I used to love watching the Dukes of Hazard with the Confederate flag on the top of the General Lee. <laughs> Oy vey. Uh, there's another topic for another show. Yes, it's... it's, it's <laughs> but it's true, though. We it's, all did. It's we that, all that watched that show. To a you know, and, kid up in Long Island, right. in, in the that means nothing. But that symbol to so many other... It's so offensive to so many other people. We didn't know as kids know watching that show. Know, but now we know. But I, okay, I swear on this on, on this very platform, I will ne'er watch another episode of Dukes of Hazard. Can I still look at Catherine Bach? Is that absolutely okay? get yourself okay. some Daisy Dukes? Well, I don't think you want to see me in the Daisy Dukes, but <laughs> that's again talk about offensive. Look, it's a uh, look. It's it's it, the discussion is for all. It's, it's good stuff. It's stuff that needs to come out. It, uh, you know, education. You know. You're a history guy, obviously a history teacher. I love history. I know me and you could we could go on because I the history honchos. Yeah, the, <laughs> wow, that's a great idea, man. Because I would love to do that with you. There's no doubt about it. But you know, when it correlates to sports and cities and traditions, and um, you know, uh, like I said, where you're from, uh, everything else. I mean, like I said, you know, New York Rangers, New York Yankees, New York Giants, New York Mets, the Metropolitans, um, and the Icelanders. Uh, you know, thank you, Steve Summers. Yeah. So, I mean, it's look, it's identification, it's, um, history and it's close to home, especially, like I said, guys like me and you and a guy. And like I said, I respect it. I get what you guys, you know, you grew up with your team. It was when it is, when something is, if you're conditioned for your whole life, that this is okay, you don't know any different. Right. And I I think the, the bottom line here is this. You can't, as an outsider, if we can, in all seriousness, as an outsider, whether you think the name should be changed or not is irrelevant to the point of it's important to that community. It means something to the community, even if it has to be changed for whatever reason, whether it's marketing or it's socially unacceptable, whatever it is, it is a big deal to people who live in that community, people who embrace that team. And it means something. These these uniforms, these logos, good, bad, and different, they mean something. So it's it's something you can't just take lightly. I'm sure Bullets fans, again, Washington leads the league in names that are offensive. When they changed Bullets, <laughs> nobody liked the name Wizards. Nobody does still. And well, it's a ridiculous name. It right. Is. It's, it's a ridiculous name. If you're going to change a name that's so ingrained in the culture, you got to change it to something that people are going to embrace and not something that sounds like like it's an elementary school. Like the Pelicans. Right. Or the Nets. At least (laughs) pay easy on the Mets. You're going to get me in trouble. The Nets. Oh, the Nets. The Nancy Nets. Get out of here. Yeah. Get out of here with the Nets, whether they're Brooklyn or Jersey. Look, it's 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 good stuff to talk about. There's good and bad yeah. on, on in in all of it. It's all intertwined and everything, and it's just part of uh, these are the times. Uh, and it's probably overdue. I got to be honest with you. you yeah. Know? I mean, so they sat in a room, 
like when they first came up with the the idea for the names of all these teams. Yeah. You know, so it's the same reason, you know, you know, beyond me, you know, you want to get into the Civil War and, you know, our military bases being named after traitors. I, I don't no. get it, you know, but Oy. that's a whole nother story. So, Oy, uh, yeah. So what do you say? We uh, <laughs> shuffle on into the uh, Major League Baseball. No, look at you with the I love the music. Um, news of the days. And uh, sure. I think um, Tony Larusa is at home right now. He's got his yeah. jazz records on, just like this right now. He's getting well, he's got one of those. Baby. He's got one of those crank uh, turntables with the big like shell thing on the end of it, and he's sitting right up next to it. Tony, Tony, no, it's a left turn. The third base yeah. is his way. Tony, no, dugout's over here. Um, Tony. Before, listen, I do want to talk about actually both uh, Larusa and Hinch, but I, I did. Did you happen to see the story about? You know, Rick Renteria, the the White Sox manager, was for some bizarre reason fired after his team did very well. He's a finalist for AL Manager of the Year. And the White Sox, the team that jettisoned him, actually congratulated him. Took out an ad, put it on social media, congratulating him. It's so bizarre. You just fired this guy, and now you're saying, hey, nice job being named Manager of the Year. Of sports, baby. It's just sports. That's why we do this. That's why we have this podcast. So we can just look at things and just scratch our heads and go, wah, 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 wah. You just said, hey, congratulations to the guy that I kicked to the curb. So let me ask you this. Who's going to benefit the most from their new job? You got Tony La Russa with the White Sox and you have known cheater. Again, the theme of today's show, Second Chances. AJ Hints with the Tigers. Who needs this job more? Okay, and I think in terms of who needs it, not from a financial standpoint, but just from a getting my baseball life, baseball house back in order, who will benefit from it more in the eyes of the baseball community? Uh, I think it's Hinch. I mean, he needs to show with Detroit. Detroit, what a dumpster fire that team is and nothing makes me happier i found than seeing the theme song by the way Bob. seeing the tigers in disarray go ahead and play the theme song oh a little 38 special for the folks yeah, at baby. home <laughs> come on we're gonna we gotta we're gonna we're gonna rock out for a minute everybody <laughs> hey it was playing the most music that's right the music Listen, shows only made us one mistake How much more will AJ have to pay? Why can't we forget the past and think it over? Here we go, Rob Mino. Here we go. Everybody, sing along if you know the words. When love makes the sound, That's Paul Cuthbert, ladies and gentlemen. I got my lighter out. Don't put me down, baby. <laughs> Woo! You, you can't see him, except unless you're watching the closed-circuit feed, but I'm waving my phone like I'm in a concert hall. AJ, a second chance, baby. So Woo! he, and for those last, that last minute and a half of pure musical entertainment, no extra <laughs> charge, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. So anyway, as I was saying before my head exploded, he needs to show, Hinch, that he can take a terrible team like he had with Houston, and Detroit, 60 games a year. The only reason they didn't win 60 games this season is because they only played 60 games. So 
do the math, folks. But he can that he can build a new team out of the remnants of a terrible team and win without the ghost of cheating. If he can take the Tigers and make him a new contender with savvy draft picks and some good on the field managing, and and that team is respectful, maybe not wins the World Series, but gets to five hundred and then makes itself into the playoffs, makes some noise in the playoffs. Without well, you know, this, using sanitation. Without using there's sanitation noises, devices. There's certain noises. Right. We don't without banging hear in on the trash cans. Not that noise. We don't want. We don't want a trash can inspired noises. Oh then, my god! I love that you just walked right into that one. That was awesome. If, if he can and unrehearsed, can make folks, some noise without hey, a Jason net. In the back, oh, shh, no, no, don't. No. Yeah. and the oisnay. <laughs> can you can you go through the season silently? We'd like it to be silent but deadly, like you know. Farts AJ Finch has turned barbecue. down all requests for interviews on the sports so, <laughs> And now as the show starts to get away from us, folks. Um, so he needs to do that silently, noisily, whatever. He needs to win without cheating. For Larusa, he's done it all. And he's beloved in the city of Chicago. And I realize some people on the White Sox organization, none too happy about bringing the Crypt Keeper in. Um <laughs> To manage, I mean, as I said, Jack McKeon, if he's still alive, wheel him in as your bench coach. Maybe drag old Jim Leland in to be your hitting coach. Let's get the whole band back together, the Sunshine Boys. But anyway, he's still beloved in Chicago on the south side because he made his bones with the White Sox 100 years ago. All he needs to do is prove that he can. he's enough of a baseball maven, as our people would say, that he can win after a decade away from the game, at least on the field. I mean, look, he, he last managed in 2011, but since but from 2014 to 2019, he was in the front offices of the Diamondbacks, the Red Sox, and the Angels. So it's not like he's been away from the game for a decade. It just hasn't managed on the field. The big knock against LaRusso, or the big question mark for LaRusso was, or is, can he win over the younger players? And, I mean, by younger players, I mean guys that are in their 50s. Um, look, Winning, as we know, is the best deodorant. A guy who walks into the clubhouse who's got three World Series rings, uh, two with the Cardinals, one with the A's, and a bunch of playoff uh, wins, has won a 1,000 games plus in his career, Hall of Famer, the whole bit. I don't care how old he is and how young the players are. They're going to look at this guy and go, this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy gets it. He's done it. And let's face it, when you're Tony LaRusse's age, all your players – are like your great grand your great grandchildren. I'm done with the age jokes now. I just like it because he makes me look like I'm young. But I think he's going to be fine. I think this whole thing about oh, you can't relate wow, to younger you, players you vastly really overrated. On this. You were totally against this. I was, and then I thought I about have it. I it on tape, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to find it now. But I, I still think again. I still think baseball's out of ideas. I still think when you're wheeling in these guys, but if you're going to wheel them in, if you're going to settle on the crib keeper. Maybe it's going to work. I'm just saying we got to got to dig a little deeper for some fresh ideas. Give some people other people an opportunity. But hey, if it works, if this works, I'll be the first guy to say I was wrong. I'll eat a big ass sandwich. I don't mind. I still think it's it was a it was an unusual hire, but maybe it's going to work. Hey, you know what? Tony Larusa never banged on trash cans to win a World Series. That we know of. That we know of. Now, you know... Uh, he did cause an earthquake in 89, though, to beat the Giants, wow, but that's really a whole other story. <laughs> well, uh, one side of the stadium had a little too much weight on it. You know, uh, at his press conference, the uh, the speech that he used? 
He borrowed Craig Carton's speech. Get out of here. Welcome back. Yeah, he said, you guys <laughs> have had 10 years <laughs> to take this coaching job. And you blew it. And you blew it. <laughs> and I'm back, baby. I'm back. Deal with it. That You know what? Not, that would have been epic. Yes. If he had said, sitting up there in his White Sox uniform, if he had said, you know what? I, you don't want me here. Deal with it. Hey, hey, El Baldo in Maryland Obi-Wan of the sports honchos. Calling you me the crypt keeper. only hope. Right. Deal with it. I'm here and you're sitting there watching me on TV. So you know what? Deal with it, Baldy. Go that would have been okay. Tony. Go get him, Tony. I wish you luck. Good <laughs> luck remembering your way to the stadium. Zing, that the, was a cheap shot. See, have you seen any <laughs> of the Minions movies? Of course. All right. So the, the first one. And he, what's the Dr. Nefario? Yes, and his is that is that his, is that Tony? He's got to get he's got to get the wheel the uh, the cart that he rode in. <laughs> he says we must leave it once. And those like and then go an like hour. like he's a rascal at the Walmart, <laughs> cruising up and down the aisles. Hey, right. we laugh, but that'll be you and I, Paul, one day. Please God, you know, I mean, old and yep. 10, 20 years old, it's gonna be great, man. I'm looking forward to it. I just hope I get uh, my bag is uh. Nice and clean. That's <laughs> just who. If you if you thought we weren't going to talk about colostomy bags on today's show, you were mistaken. If you had, Woo-hoo! it'll take ten episodes before they get to the colostomy bag references. You lost. Sorry. You know what the hardest part about a colostomy bag is, folks? Oh, we finding gotta the, go. Really? Finding the shoes to match. Dun 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 dun. dun. Thank you, boy. This show has taken a weird turn. It certainly has. And now, we are gonna turn to the gridiron Uh-oh. as Look at we that. Do listen to that music on the sports honchos. First, listen to that music. We'll begin with the B League, the college? NCAA, the college ball of foot, and then we'll um, head into so. The as we talked about the Woo-hoo! on the field stuff, it's it is what it is. Look. Uh, the the teams at the top aren't really changing much. The Big Ten is Ohio State and a whole bunch of other minions. You Speaking are of so minions, done with college football. I mean, just the sound of your I, voice. I just okay because for me, what's happening in college? First of all, let me just apologize to the to Mike Leach and his entire family because after getting waxed forty two to nothing by Alabama this past weekend, again he has scored since. Beating LSU, which now seems like three years ago. Yes, I think they've scored thirty or, points or five after Ancho's episode. Yeah, ago. after I was singing his praises, going "Woo!" It's a new. There's some new blood in the SEC. Mike Leach is back and better than ever. I mushed him. I mushed him. You oh, saw a Bronx Tale. I gave him the mush. Mm. I'm sorry to Mike Leach and his whole mishpucha. Um, five fingers at three. But it's it's the COVID thing again. This whole, you know. Again, I mentioned this last week. Teams are now proceeding as though COVID is like a pulled hamstring or torn uh, ACL. It's just another injury we deal with, and the dogs bark, but the caravan rolls on. Ever since Nick Saban made his miracle return after two days of two days of COVID protocols and taking about a thousand tests until you come back on the field, and he, he looked, had COVID B. He looked super ill. On the field, so I don't believe for a second that he had a negative test. Now Trevor Lawrence, presumed number one pick in the draft next year, prohibitive favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Although Justin Fields is making some noise, 
Now he's out. He didn't play last week against Boston College, and he's out this week against Notre Dame. And Wisconsin has pretty much put their football season, their football program on hold because there's a number of cases, number of outbreaks, number of number of outbreaks. Way to speak, Cuny. I heard they were at the, voting booth. Cases... Were at the voting booth. That's why. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we're not going down that highway. But why is Wisconsin the only team that seems to be now, and as we get toward the end of the season, we get close to the drop-dead dates of playing games and being eligible for the college football playoffs, all of a sudden now people are getting COVID and – Meh, no big deal. We'll just keep playing the head coach, star quarterback. Unless you're Wisconsin, I will tell you. If Clemson had lost to Boston College and it was looking pretty scary for Clemson fans, or if their freshman stud star quarterback, DJ Ukulele, that is not how you pronounce his name, but I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. But I like DJ Ukulele. I'm going to stick too. with I like that. It too. If he hadn't played well and if they had lost – or if they had lost to Boston College, I'm sure they would have found a way to get Trevor Lawrence to play. But because the, a, a loss to Notre Dame will be chalked up to, well, you didn't have your star player, although Notre Dame is not beaten up on the ACC cupcakes, doesn't make you the team you usually are, I think he'd be playing. So other than Wisconsin, Wisconsin, who has locked themselves down, at least their football team, I just feel like, you know, now, same thing in the NFL, which we may or may not get to. Uh, just the test, players are testing positive. Dogs bark. Caravan rolls on. Again, it's it's like you pulled a hammy. Or you got, you know, separate your shoulder. It it's, seems to be that not... all these protocols they talked about when they trumpeted the return of college football, yeah, what happened to them? Where'd they all go? It's not a good year for football. And the, and, and the Florida-Missouri brawl? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it looked like, those, a mo- looked like a mosh pit. and yet Can't fit them all in the penalty box. And yet, none of them seemed to... There's been no... But by the way, this is the same team that lost, what, two games? Three games? I don't know what it was because of their COVID spikes and their own coach after saying, let's fill the swamp with 90,000 people. Then he himself got COVID. Now, look, they're all out there in extreme close contact. I'm not saying they should be punished because of violating COVID protocols. I'm just saying it seems odd that uh, look, this co- this COVID nobody's thing is- gotten sick again. There's been no outbreak again. I don't know how it works. I just, I just the know. transparency. It's as transparent as mud. Yeah, and but you know. it's also, you know, it's, it's you know, how how bad it is in some areas how there's sanity in some areas and there's no sanity in other areas. And it's just, you just, you know, you don't know. You, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I, don't I, how, I, I don't know how to argue about COVID. I don't know how to discuss it. You know, and, and I, living up I, I just, I New feel York, like, I mean, we're, we're, we're down. We're okay. No. And, uh, but I don't know. I, you know, I watched another documentary the other night about it and, you know, I was, Shown to me why there will not be any concerts and probably not going to be no. any uh, indoor like hockey and basketball games for a long time because of the way you can't have twenty thousand people screaming and yelling at a hockey game or a basketball game the same way you can't have twenty thousand people singing along to one guy on a yep. stage. It's one guy singing, but then it's the twenty thousand and uh, you know, a hundred thousand new cases. 
That's yeah. that's well, look, we're not, not good. We can't go no, there. we're not so, going to do. Ep- we're not the look, epidemiology if, honchos. If we get a national <laughs> championship game or any bowl games, it'll be amazing, right? No, I just it's it's you can see the way this season is going that they're just gonna, as I said, treat COVID like it was just any other normal football injury, and you know, show goes on as Jordan Belfort said. All right. But it's just the, the lack of transparency is astounding to me. Um, and everybody are, sucks anyway. Everybody yeah, should sucks we, across the board. Should we uh, zip into Because, you know, we got a, we got a clock got that's time. breathing Don't down our neck. It. Don't worry about it. I just got it in the headphones. We're good. Okay. We're good. We got another good. We still got a dope wow, of the week we got to get to. 15, 20 minutes to go here, pal. Come on. All right. Just, just NFL, making sure. NFL, baby. Or the NML, as I call it, the National right. Mediocrity League, ladies and gentlemen. So let me run this by you run because it by it's me. it's clear now the that Jets the Jets can't Steelers, run it by me. Oh! No. They're, boom, boom. Talk about garbage time. <laughs> uh, it is clear now, but it's clear to me, it's not saying it should be clear to everybody, that after uh, this past weekend, the, the class of the National Football League is the Pits, are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Certainly in the AFC. And I know there's this little team from Kansas City that won the Super Bowl last year with, you know, all-world Patrick Mahomes. But I'm I'm not going to say I'm not a believer in Kansas City because I'm not an idiot. I just – that defense that the Steelers have and the return of Big Ben makes them – I mean, there's a reason why they're 7-0. and And they're not beating cupcakes. Okay, that game against uh, the Ravens this past Sunday was a hard-fought game. Sorry to my – Older son, diehard Ravens fan, uh, but the better team did win. But but here's what I want to talk about with football, and and it's sort of the same thing with college. You call the National Football League the National Mediocrity League. I think they should call it the Narrative Football League because I already, we, I already got the trademark. It's, it's mine. We get we get hooked into these stories in the off season, coming into a year, and it suddenly. There's nothing that can really crack that narrative. Like no fact can penetrate, can pierce the narrative. What I'm talking about is this. We have set this narrative, we fans of the NFL, even the NFL itself, um, that the MVP of the league, okay, is the one who's having uh, the best statistical season, for instance. But – ignores whether or not those stats are empty calories that look really good on a baseball card or they actually those stats and that player actually impacted the game that you you won more than you lost because of this particular player and so is the player with the best stats the one who has the biggest impact on his team? And so that's a debate for another time, that particular narrative. Do you give it to the player who's really the best player or the player with the flashiest numbers? But this particular year, coming into the NFL, the narrative was that it was Russell Wilson's time. Russell Wilson, Hall of Famer, great quarterback, love him. I wish he was on our team. But the narrative coming in was Russell Wilson has gotten precisely zero MVP votes in his career and – um, he should win the award. This is before he took one snap. That this is it's Russell Wilson's time. Not one snap. Before he's taking one snap. So all the chatter again was he is the one that he's that this year he's having an MVP season and he's primarily responsible for the Seahawks' success and blah blah blah. And he's already being given the 
MVP award before the season is over. It's only ha- we're at the halfway point, and they've already penciled him in to win the award. Well, he is primarily responsible, yes, for the Seahawks, especially this year with their lack of of talent and ferocity on defense. But you know who else is having a great year and has also received zero who, Rob? MVP votes? You're, you're, you're not going to, by the way, you can't see what's happening here, but I'm looking at, at Paul and he's changing the background on his screen to try to throw me off. And it's working. <laughs> it's working. That's why I sound like I a total no schmuck right now. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad, we're, I'm glad you're discovering that while we're live and on the air. <laughs> Anyway, Look, I'm in a Ben Roethlisberger, I'm, I'm now ignoring. I should just close my computer so I can't see it. Ben Roethlisberger has never received a single MVP vote either. Okay, and and this year, his the success of the Steelers, you can say all you want about Chase Claypool. You can say all you want about James Conner, TJ Watt, whomever. It's Ben Roethlisberger. Last year, the team struggled to get to 8-8 eight and eight when he missed the entire season. This year, 7-0. and oh. Same team, same exact team with one change. It's not Mason Rudolph. It's not Miles Garrett's best friend, Mason Rudolph, leading the show. It's Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, again, they were eight and eight last year. They're seven and zero this year. The Seahawks were eleven and five last year, and made the playoffs with a healthy Russell Wilson. That's a typical year for them. Okay, this year they are seven and one, having a great year again on the shoulders of Russell Wilson. And on their way to another playoff season. But why are we saying that Russell Wilson is the MVP? Because it's the narrative. The narrative of the NFL and the pundits and the fans have all said it's Russell Wilson's time. What about old man Brady? Why not let the – he's he's certainly up there. will certainly be in the conversation. But he's got enough hardware. Actually, you could argue that Roethlisberger and Wilson works. have enough hardware. But, but the thing works. is – If he's having a hell of a season like he is. But that's, that's the, the problem. Should, I'm not saying he's not going to be in the conversation. I'm saying the narrative has already been set that it's Wilson's, unless the Seahawks lose the rest of their games and Wilson throws 50 not interceptions. He, he did against Arizona. I'm just saying it's hard to ignore Ben Roethlisberger, and he's in the same boat that Russell Wilson is, which is no MVP votes. And this is his Hall of Fame career, two Super Bowls, and he hasn't won an MVP. And uh, Ben's been how many times? To the dance. He's won two? Three Super Bowls? I think. So they, let's see. They beat the Seahawks. And they beat the Cardinals. Yeah, and they lost to the Packers. All right. Yeah, he's been to three. And he may even have been rookie of the year in his rookie year. I'm not sure about that one. I didn't do enough of my research. But look. With the stack of money that he makes, is mm-hmm. that really a big thing? What, winning the MVP? I'm not, it could be nothing to him. At same saying, it, 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 it doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm not a Steelers fan. I just, I just don't like when we start the season with a narrative that can't be pierced, that can't be uh, dissented from. Should we be talking about this eight games in? They were talking about it one game in. He, Russell Wilson had one great game, and they're saying, oh, he's on his way to an MVP season. It's Russell Wilson's time. Well, that's not really how the MVP vote works. It's not because it's not a lifetime achievement award. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying, why are we not talking uh, this much about Roethlisberger? Roethlisberger, who is, is playing this season. You know, I was talking to my friend Chris 
who works for the Lock Haven Express in Pennsylvania. And that's the newspaper in Pennsylvania. And I said to him in my copious research for the, the show, I said, name? no, the Lock Haven Express. I'm sure there's a Lock Haven University. <laughs> anyway, I said, is he playing like, like someone who's trying to, like he's on his farewell tour. Like, this is it for me. I'm going out. I'm not playing anymore. And I'm just going to show you that I'm going to go out on top. And he said, no, it's his revenge tour. Because, you know, and he follows the Steelers as part of his job. And he, you know, Pittsburgher all his life. He said that, that people were saying that it was over for him. Yeah. That he's lost a step. He doesn't have his fastball, all those cliches. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers plummeted to eight and eight last year. And he came back and he's not like, look, I'm, I'm, this is it for me. He's like, I'm going to show you guys you were wrong about me. That I, I can rehab and I can come back better than ever. And that this team still at, they're at 37, 38 years old is still my team. Just reinforces the whole mediocrity of this league. You have the best quarterbacks in the league right now are also the oldest besides Mahomes. They're the oldest guys in the league too. Well, yeah, I mean, not all of them, but certainly there are a lot of guys. The guys with the winning records. To, again, will be my roommates in Ingleside, so you got, you but got certainly Breeze, led by Breeze, Breeze and Brady and Rodgers and Phillip Rivers. Thank you. Yeah, there's Hello. a lot of guys. There's Thank a you. lot of my friends at Ingleside playing I will, quarterback. I will tell you where to send my award for pointing that out. Thank you. And it's going to be, we say that and we mock their existence, but there's going to be a couple years from now, you're like, where are all the quarterbacks I used to know? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great young quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. But we're in for a, a long, some serious withdrawal when these guys that we just mentioned, when all the old fogies step away. But the great thing about football is they leave and they're great players that come and take their place. So right. we won't be too, too sad. Also, the NFL has new COVID protocols about how long the bench can be and wearing masks. And I say to you again, like I say every show, after the first week when they charged, they were fining coaches $100,000 or whatever it was for not wearing a mask. Where are those fines and penalties? And if you're wondering what they're doing from a penalty standpoint, what are they? is the NFL concerned with? How are they spending? How are they spending their disciplinary time? Real quick, Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner of the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers were each fined $5,000 for not properly wearing their socks. Well, apparently your socks have to be so a certain height. Yes, that's old up, news. Up to the up it's to the pads. For years. I'm just saying we have a pandemic and they got coaches breathing on each other, not wearing masks, players going in and out of the masks. Do you understand? And yet these the teams socks, are not making any money. The They're trying socks. to make as much money back from their players, their coaches as they can. Because they have no money coming into the arenas. They have nobody buying tickets. But this is not the team. The team didn't find them. This is the NFL find them. 5,000 bucks. Yeah, but it's it's the league. I'm not going to shed any. I am not shedding any crocodile tears. No, I know that. For the National Football League and their pocketbook. I'm just saying you can't enforce your COVID protocols. You can announce them. Like great Jerry Seinfeld said. You can make well, a, a reservation thing, you know, but you I can't mean, keep a reservation you can make covid protocols but you won't enforce them isn't the rule anybody that's on the sideline has to have been tested negative correct no 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 i mean if you tested positive at one point sure you have to be you have to be allegedly quarantined every week these but guys these guys aren't getting everybody that's part of the organization that has being, to stand on the sideline is not tested prior to the game 
and they have to wear the proper face coverings. So what I'm she, trying to get at is if they have tested negative mm -hmm. and this same group is sticking with the same group, the same organizations, like if it was a family of 40 people and you were in a bus and you were traveling from state to state, as long as everybody in that bus tested negative and wore their masks and stuff, whatever, they're basically but, don't have symptoms, right? So if they're on the field, they did it in baseball, they did it in hockey, they're tested negative, so why not? I mean, what's, you know, how they're going to gonna have, look, if you're going to have rules, but so those fines in the beginning were just for sure, were just yes, for show. Yes, oh, whatever. That's okay. PR, so then man. just say it it's again. PR. They're treating it like it's an Achilles injury or a separated shoulder. And that's fine. If that's what they're going to do, just come out and tell us that. Are that's you, fine, are you watching the games on Sunday going, Oh my God, he's not, no, listen, Nobody's Listen, doing that. Again, let me try to clarify here. I, I don't give a shine if they wear them or not. My only point is if you're going to make these pronouncements of having these protocols and having these rules, these measures in place, and we care about your safety and blah, 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 then enforce them Damn. or don't have them. I don't care what you do. Go out there and lick each other for all I care. But don't <laughs> tell us. It. Now, that talk about ratings. The ratings bonanza. But don't <laughs> tell us how wonderful you Look, are. Look, they're and then punching not enforce each other in the helmets. Rules. They're punching each other in the helmets. We've got I mean, a little bit guy, of that this weekend. What a schmuck that College guy is. College football, they're beating the crap out of each other. So there's mm -hmm. violence, and that kind of, it's misdirection. That's all it Just is. Just don't have rules if you're not going to enforce them. Uh, you said you wanted to say something about uh, Burroughs and Harvard here. What's the story? No, yeah, I just... I was Come on, I know you worked hard on this. I did, but... You know, I wasn't. I was actually put all my football stuff away. I was going to say, who's having the better year? If the race for rookie of the year is essentially coming down to two guys: okay. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. And if you look at the numbers, okay, uh, Herbert for the Chargers and Burrow for the Bengals, both quarterbacks, offensive rookies this year. Again, it's going to be one of one of these two guys. From a statistical standpoint, Herbert's the flashier one, more touchdowns, more rush yards, same number of ints. Higher quarterback rating, higher percentage than Burrow. Burrow, though, more wins, two to one. Let's not overstate it. Any more yards passing, and why? But why do I give him the nod? Why do I think Burrow is having the slightly better season? Because he plays behind an offensive line that, quite frankly, if you and I suited up for the Bengals and played offensive line, would be a huge improvement for a guy that's doing as well statistically as Burrow is. He's number two. Or he's, he's number two in sacks, times sacked, and number two in yards lost to sack. Last week, he was number one in both categories. And he's doing this while he leads the league in passes attempted and passes completed. So he's doing, he having a great statistical season, all the while getting beaten up like a rag doll behind the porous offensive line. So he's doing all of this, keeping up with, with Herbert's flashier numbers just slightly behind him in most of these categories. Leads the league in attempts, leads the league in completions. For I think last week he was number one in pass yards also. All the while, again, first or second in the times sacked and yards lost, two sacks. So he's getting beaten to death out there and still performing not just admirably. He's a young kid. But at another level. And I'm not, look, I'm not worried about him getting broken. I'm just saying when you're taking that kind of punishment and you're still that successful – a slight edge over the flashier, gaudier stats of Herbert. They're molding them. They're molding if, them, Rob. If it were up to me, they would just give them both the award and say, look, we can't choose. We can't choose between you two because you're both 
Recognition. You're both having great seasons. It's nice to see. And all the excuses about, by the way, well, when certain first-round draft picks can't do it on the field and they have the excuse of, well, there is no offseason, no chance to work with your teammates live and no coaches meetings and no OTAs and mini camps and new system and a new coach. And yet Justin Herbert literally an hour before his debut was told, Hey, you got to start because our team doctor punctured the lung of our starting quarterback. And he goes out against the defending Super Bowl champions throws for 300 yards, has a great game, almost beats them. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. I always say what somebody punctured lung is another person's success. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when life hands you life hands you punctured lungs, make lemonade or whatever that saying is. Good stuff. There's your football storylines for this week on the Sports Honchos. But now, ladies and gentlemen, as always, it's time. Oh. The. Go out the week. Go for the week. That's awesome, dude. And that's right. It's that time again where we tell you lovingly that the gagzing and I here in the basement of the Go Sports Media conglomerate, the mothership as it were, spending hours and hours for your entertainment coming up with the dope of the week for this week. If you would like to be part of that mishpucha, that tribe as it were, people who come up with these ideas, there's just a cavalcade of ways that you can Submit your entries. Hashtag DOTW at Sports Hunt Shows, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Ghost Sports Media Co. on the Twitter machine. And we might, if we use yours, we will give you nothing but undying respect. And we'll steal the idea as if we're our own. This week, who is going to be hoisting, such a great word, the mythical Sports Hunt Shows Dope of the Week trophy over their heads, skating around the ice of shame? That would be Justin Turner. Of the Justin! Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's Woo-hoo! not its not for the reasons you may be thinking. As you know, the Dodgers, the World Series champions, last week, Number one, Justin, Justin Turner, after being diagnosed with the vid, the COVID, the Rona, testing positive during the game and was quarantining himself, then ran out into the field maskless and did all sorts of mishigas with the celebrating and, and ignoring the fact that he just tested positive and being real close to his cancer-surviving manager, Dave Roberts. That's not why he's the dope of the week, for his selfishness and his devil-may-care attitude. But I did a little more investigating about Justin Turner, third baseman for the Dodgers, soon to be a free agent. Are you aware, Paulie, that Justin Turner is the Dodgers player rep on the Major League Baseball Association executive board? The guy that helped to come up with the COVID-19 protocols that baseball set in place before the playoffs. And in fact, in fact, he says, and I quote, obvious, this was right before the Dodgers started the postseason on September 29th. I quote, obviously there's a lot of protocols and things that we're allowed to do and not allowed to do and getting tested every day. And I would say it's been a pretty successful season getting to this point and getting to the playoffs. And then he goes on to say, I was probably in that category where I was optimistic that we were going to have a season, but there was definitely some doubt whether or not it was going to happen. So to be sitting here today watching playoff baseball as the American League kind of kicks off their wild card round, I would say that we did a good job. And I commend everyone for taking it serious and being responsible and making good choices and allowing us to get to this point. And then 
on October 19th before game one of the World Series. He says, I think it's ultimately a testament to the players for being responsible, making good choices, and doing everything that we had to do to ensure that the season was able to go on. So I tip my cap to every player who put the uniform on and took that risk of playing and was responsible about it and did it the right way and enabled us to have a full season and now be able to participate in a World Series. And yet, the second the World Series is over, you took all of that and you, like this piece of paper, crumpled it up and said, screw it. I won the World Series. I'm going out in the field. You know, when you're the player rep and you're responsible for negotiating with Major League Baseball about things that maybe not be as serious as COVID-19 protocols, but you still negotiate, you kind of have to do the things that you negotiate and not lose your credibility as a union representative. So Justin Turner, for saying, for undoing, I should say, all of the good work you did and putting these protocols in place and trumpeting their praises and being a good soldier until the last out of the World Series, didn't even wait. Didn't even wait for the season to be over the next day. You said, screw it, Major League Baseball. I'm going out there. I'm going to Leroy Jenkins it out on that field. No mask. And just say, hey, everybody, how about a nice open mouth kiss for World Series champion Justin Turner? So Justin Turner, for being totally, completely, and utterly tone deaf, you are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week for this week. Congratulations. Your certificate, as always, is in the mail without a mask. Woohoo! Crazy stuff there, my friend. Don't be a dope, folks. Because this is what will happen. Please don't. You'll Please don't be a dope. On the Sports Honchos. Right here on the Honchos. Radio show. Don't be a dope. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to that time, the unfortunate time when we have to end the show and move on and go back to our laundry duties here at the house. Or whatever it is we're doing. Yes. <laughs> I have so to I'm... clean my snake knives. <laughs> Thanks again to everybody out there who's been uh, jumping on board with us and downloading and listening and uh, just tell a friend and so on and so on. We appreciate it. And until next week. Yours Owen. truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, bidding you adieu. And as always, Rob, please give the folks a little toodaloops. And you know what? If you subscribe on iTunes, review and, and leave us a comment. We really do appreciate that. Nice so one, have a great evening, everyone. Thanks for hanging in there on our, this, our sixth show. And as always, peace. Peace out.